I'm Lauren from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Universe fan show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredible geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to episode 402 of the official Gunna Geek Show. I am Steven. We're recording this on June 12, 2023. And Chris Farrell, the master of butts, is here. You can call me the butt master. <laughs> we all will do that. Uh, joining the butt master is SP. Yes. I'm not sure I feel about that introduction, but I'm here and we're going to have some fun recording tonight because that's what this show is all about. It's about the fun. It's about the tech. It's about the space in Chris's butt. Whoa, 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 whoa. If you didn't know whoa. what this is about, you should definitely come on by the live stream and you would have known all about it because that's what Chris does is is he entertains at the very beginning. And today was was entertained. If you think I'm the form of entertainment, we're in trouble. <laughs> and to get to our chat, you should go to the Gunna Geek Discord, which you can find at gunnageek.com slash discord, which if you listen to last episode, we do have a new channel in the subreddit or in the subreddit in the discord called hashtag toilet talk. There's been a lot of talk in toilet talk over the past month or so mm -hmm. since our last episode. It's been a rousing success. A lot of smart toilet stuff and then some do's and some don'ts for posting in toilet talk. Did yeah. you say do's or deuce? <laughs> he said doo-doos. Oh my. Yes. No, but seriously, there's been lots of lots of uh, new knowledge in my brain about smart toilets. I had no idea that there were so expensive toilets, but Chris did inform me. You're welcome. <laughs> Come on by the best geek community around the Gunna Geek Discord server, which you can find at gunnageek.com forward slash discord. All right, SP at the very beginning of the show teased us here because he started talking about subreddits, and clearly that was just trying to segue into Chris's news. Yeah, so this one's kind of a big story, and it's kind of taken up a life of its own since our last broadcast of the official com show. But you may have noticed today, if you're like me, Reddit is the place where you go to kill about five minutes when you're on your coffee break or something like that. Or, hey, going back to Toilet Talk, maybe you pull up the Reddit app when you're having some toilet time. I don't know. It's up to you. But you may have noticed today that if you logged into your Reddit account, some of your favorite subreddits were no longer showing up and you weren't seeing them in the main feed. Well, some folks in here, I know you guys know what's going on because we've been talking about it in the tech channel here on the Gunna Geek Discord. But some folks may not be aware that as of today, a lot of subreddits on reddit.com have gone private, effectively meaning that unless you are a moderator or an approved user in that subreddit, you can't access it. If you try and go to the subreddit directly, you get a splash page that tells you, tells you excuse me, the page has been made private and you're unable to post or view posts. So the natural question is, 
well, what the heck's going on? Why is the internet having a revolt? Well, for that information, I'm going to reference some quotes here from an article on Polygon.com. But hey, Reddit users are revolting in mass going against planned changes to the platform's API. In fact, so many Reddit users revolted and so many subreddits revolted that Reddit experienced an outage on Monday morning when more than 7,600 subreddits, including some of the largest gaming-related subreddits, went dark to protest changes to the third-party API pricing structure. This is also just days after a disastrous AMA with Reddit CEO Steve Huffman. And it, it was a bad AMA. We'll talk about it here in a little bit. Other subreddits right now are simply just no longer accepting new posts or edits. And there are other subreddits, such as ones that are different support groups that are out there that have said, hey, while we may agree with this blackout that's going on, and we'll get into the reasoning behind it here in a sec, we're not going to shut down our subreddit because let's say, for example, the Alcoholics Anonymous subreddit or something like that. You don't want to shut that down when people rely on that as a support structure to get support from their friends on the internet. So naturally, there are some subreddits that support this chain, that support this protest rather, that have not shut down. So what's going on? This protest will run from June 12th to June 14th. However, some mods and communities are planning to continue protesting until they deem the issue adequately addressed. This has been brought up in the Save Third Party Apps subreddit and the Mod Coordination subreddit. In fact, some of the most popular subreddits out there, such as our video and r slash music and r slash squared circle, the largest professional wrestling subreddit, have all said they are going dark indefinitely until there is some response from Reddit in regards to their pending API changes. So what has angered the internet so much here to make this happen? Well, back on April 18th, Reddit announced they would update its API, which notably included the introduction of a paid model for third-party apps. This would require premium access for third parties who require additional capabilities and higher usage limits, according to the announcement. And side note, I think it would also allow Reddit to offset the fact that they can't push ads to third-party apps as well. Last week, developers of a number of third-party apps, including the popular app called Apollo on iOS and Reddit is Fun, have said the new API pricing would then make it unaffordable for these apps to continue working on Reddit. Another popular app called Bacon Reader also similarly affected, and many of these app creators have chimed in on Twitter and other social media sites saying, this rapid change coming from Reddit is very similar to Twitter's recent move to yank API access from all third-party apps and then charge a high-priced premium rate in order for people to get it, a rate so high that most can't afford it. So what do we mean by most can't afford it? Let's talk to, or let's hear from Christian Selig, who's the creator of Apollo, one of the most popular third-party apps on iOS for Reddit. And Canadian, from my understanding. That is true. He's also Canadian. And that will come into play later, too which I can bring up. Um, he announced that he'd be shutting down his app on June 30th as a result of this new API pricing. Why is that? Because with the new API pricing structure, it would cost him $20 million a year to keep the app running. He is charging subscriptions right now to his users, but that rate or that price is not sustainable with the current subscription base. And I think they said the price that he would have to change it to for his current subscribers mean that most would walk away from the app. So he's shutting things down. The Verge has reported that supposedly Apollo made 7 billion API requests last month to Reddit. So you can see why Reddit might be eager to trim down and make money off of third-party API access, whereas it's free right now because much like other popular social media giants, they made the API access free for third-party clients to bring more people in 
And now they kind of yank it away once they've got people in that environment. It got kind of worse because the Reddit admins were on track of what, or on, excuse me, we're keeping track of what was going on in regards to these protests and moderator concerns and user concerns on Reddit. In fact, so much so they said, hey, we're going to have an AMA to clear things up. And that AMA was going to be attended by uh, CEO Steve Huffman, you slash Spez, you may have seen on Reddit before, and a variety of other big wigs on Reddit this last Friday. It didn't go well. So he gave his rationale for the changes saying, hey, these third-party apps got rich building off of our backbone and we're not making money off them. We're losing money off of them is effectively what it came down to and said, I'll be sticking around to answer questions along with other admins. We know answers are tough to find, so we're switching the default sort to Q&A mode. Despite this, the vast majority of the top comments on his thread are unanswered. I think they answered a total of 20 questions in this AMA. So not much of an AMA, more of putting out brush fires and putting damage control stuff out there. And Spez went hard after Apollo for Reddit. They Something about them they do not like. This is multiple times he's come out hard after them. A lot of theory, theorizing, rather, is at Worldwide Developers Conference that Apple ran last week. Apollo for Reddit was one of the apps they featured during that as being one of the best apps on iOS, stuff like that. So that drove more people there and Reddit probably didn't care for that much. So Huffman kind of went off on uh, Selig, the guy who developed Apollo for Reddit, saying his behavior and communications with us has been all over the place, saying one thing to us while saying something completely different externally, recording and leaking a private phone call to the point where I don't know if we could do business with him. Uh, Selig, of course, chimed in and said, please feel free to give examples where I said something differently in public versus what I said to you. I give full permission. No comment back, of course. What he's referencing there is that Selig's in Canada. Canada is a one-party consent country. He recorded his calls with the Reddit admins that he was having as things were going on so he could have the receipts. And at one point in time, he half flippantly and as a joke said, look, you guys could just give me $5 million to go away because that's basically what I'm costing you per month or something to that effect. Which they took as a threat of saying, give me money or we'll leave. But then if you go and view the transcript and listen to the tape that was out there, the Reddit admins were corrected in the span of minutes. Yet now the CEO of Reddit is acting like Selig was basically trying to extort him for money to go away. It's not the case. It's not the case. And this is more of a ma- This doesn't just impact the third party apps. Specifically, moderators are concerned because a lot of moderator tools are built off of this API access. If you moderate on Reddit, there's the moderator's toolkit, which while it doesn't use this API is another thing that a lot of folks are going, well, Reddit's going to yank this out from under us. And why would Reddit want to do that? Side note, they have moderators that moderate for free that then make them money. So there's a lot of concern there. There's concern that API access is going to be removed for a lot of disability or, or apps that are out there for people that are visually impaired or have other disabilities on Reddit. Reddit has chimed in and said they intend to keep those things free under the new API as well, but nobody really trusts them at this point in time. So what happened as a result of this? People were dissatisfied with Reddit's answers. They were dissatisfied with the results of discussing things with Reddit because Reddit basically said, hey, we're going to go full steam ahead. At one point in time, they sort of intimated they might be willing to discuss API pricing structure if the subreddits didn't black out. But if the subreddits blacked out, no, they weren't going to discuss at all. Well, it backfired because as of today, more than 7,600 subreddits are participating in this blackout. If you go to Twitch, dot com slash red dark underscore 24 seven. You can watch those subreddits go dark 
There is a site there that is basically capturing every time a subreddit goes dark and the number of users that are on it. Like we mentioned, some of the largest subreddits out there, such as r slash funny, r slash music, r slash videos, have all been shut down. If you want to go on the video game side of the house, because that's where I have a lot of interest, r slash gaming has 37 million members. They went dark. r slash Zelda, r slash PS5, Nintendo, No Man's Sky, Warhammer, Fallout, WoW, they have all gone dark as well. Some of these sites, and I don't know about some of these ones I quoted specifically, have said they're going to stay dark indefinitely. I know, for instance, like r slash videos said that, r slash squared circle said that. So we're going to get to another point here where there's kind of a standoff between Reddit and their moderators that moderate for free and don't get paid that make Reddit money, where Reddit's going to say, hey, we want this traffic back. Make your subreddits public. And when those moderators say no, the real question is, is Reddit going to exercise their admin authority to basically strip those moderators of their access, to strip those subreddit owners of their access, and force those subreddits back into the public light. I would argue if they do, it's a PR black eye. Granted, it's a small-ish segment of the internet that's mad about it, but this would be Reddit throwing fuel on the fire, which brings more attention to the unrest on users on Reddit. And it's just going to be a crap show is what it sounds like. And, And for full disclosure, I moderate a few subreddits on Reddit. Two out of the three of my subreddits I moderate are dark today. The other will be going dark tomorrow because there are other events going on. We are not staying dark indefinitely. It is only during this protest period, but I would not be shocked if another kind of protest pops up if there is no response from Reddit, especially as we get closer to that deadline when the API access changes. It's This is a crap show, guys. It's incredibly entertaining to look at. It's incredibly entertaining to see Reddit kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they're just not even listening to their users right now. I mean, the play to me seems like what they're trying to do is we don't make money off third-party apps. We want to make all the money. So if we force you into the official Reddit app and reddit.com, we can serve you ads. We can better control things. But the problem is there's no parity between reddit.com and the mobile apps for things like moderator tools and disability access and things like that. It's all lacking. And Reddit is making promises. Oh, we'll have this fixed. We'll have this ready to go. We're rushing development. They've said that before. And those tools have never been folded properly in or fully in to the Reddit app. So it's a fascinating watch. Do I think anything's going to come of it in the end? Probably not. Do I think it makes some people feel better that they're fighting the power? Yes. Yeah, I think this whole thing is is headed. Um, it's very blind, basically, to the way Reddit has has been run. And that's the crappy part about it is that a lot of the people who have, you know, poured their blood, sweat and tears into volunteering their time. Are are either affected by this in the way that, you know, it, it's now dark or they're not affected in, by by the fact that they're just kind of turning a blind eye to it, not realizing that all these changes with Reddit are very counter to the idea of basically a community run beast. And that's what it is. Like, yeah, I know you mentioned Reddit admins and I know in our chat, we got people saying that, you know, the admins will probably go and take some of the subreddits to strip the mods and get it back uh, going again and whatnot. The mod, the sorry, real quick. The mods are fully aware of that. If you go to the mod uh, co- coordination, the mod cord subreddit, which has not gone black, there's been people in there talking about the fact that, hey, we know if this extends for a certain period of time, Reddit's just going to take the subreddits yeah. away. But, but I guess my point is that this is not Facebook. This is not Twitter. This is not a, a social media platform that has been long standing 
moderated by paid employees. This is a, a different beast that has banked on volunteers. And that both of you two in, as included in this. Both of you have volunteered time to make subreddits very successful. And now Reddit just comes in and they're just like, nope, nope, we're gonna we're gonna try to uh run this differently, including things like the mod tools and whatnot. And I just wish that um that it felt like it was reflecting on the history of Reddit a little bit more than it, it, it comes across. So one of the comments that was brought up in the AMA that, of course, they didn't respond to, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but someone had basically pulled numbers and said, hey, do you guys know how much Facebook pays for third party people to come and be moderators of content? You know how much Twitter was paying for their moderation folks and community, uh, the community folks that kept everything running properly before they were gutted? It was millions upon millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how much are you paying for that, Reddit? You pay to build some tools and you pay for an app and you pay for some lip service to your moderators, but it's it's largely built on the back of volunteers who are keeping the subreddits running, that are keeping the communities cleaned up, that are keeping the spam and the trash under control. Think of the money you're saving not having to moderate. <laughs> and that's that's what I kind of mean. Like I, in our chat, we've got the discussion about how if Reddit's losing money and third parties are making money like there, there's obviously a bit of an issue there. And and I agree, actually, with the, the general notion of the fact that if the provider is losing money and someone else is making money, there is a bit of an issue there. I actually agree with that. But what I think is completely ridiculous is is what you just said, the fact that they are, you know, they've built this on the backs of other people. And so they to frame it in the same way as something like Facebook, where they have put out those copious amount of money to moderate things. There's just a disconnect to me. And and I hope that they can find the right balance. Uh, I personally am not using Reddit over the next couple of days. I, I don't care about that. We'll see how I feel going forward there. But there's a lot of good information on there. Like I was actually explaining on last week's Better Podcasting live chat, a lot of times I'm looking for something like, you know, my, my new phone, I'll do a search and I'll just type in uh, add on Reddit at the end because I'll find yep. a bunch of relevant conversation. So I really hope they find that. But so far, the things coming out, I, I got to say, it, it looks like it's a real douchebaggery approach. So it feels like they went to an extreme. And like I'd mentioned, sort of my long diatribe there is this and other social media platforms are built on the back of third party app developers who basically build better apps because of API access than in the case of Twitter, we've seen the past and Reddit to an extent. We've seen them take features built in third party apps and then make something similar to fold into the official app. So I kind of felt like they accelerated because they saw Twitter do it arguably successfully to say, hey, we're just yanking API access without considering the fact that there'd be such blowback. What I wish they'd kind of done or what I'm hoping kind of comes down is something to soothe tempers is maybe they make it so that third-party apps, yes, they can charge them for access, but at the same time, also find a way so that they can serve ads via the third-party app API where both the developer and Reddit would make a cut then. That way, everyone's making a little bit of money off of it. You've got the third-party developers that are still innovating and pushing the envelope as for what's going on with Reddit apps and things like that. But I don't think that's the case. And I mean, Damien's brought up a good point. He goes, Reddit isn't profitable. What money are they going to pay folks for with it? I mean, technically they aren't profitable on paper, but they're profitable enough. They're paying everyone exorbitant fees. I'm sure the CEO is making bank. Let's put it that way. It's not like he's living in his basement and making peanuts. There's 
different ways to recoup that that doesn't kind of strip away the uniqueness of your community and kill off that community spirit. I'm, I'll say this right now before I turn it over to SP. Based off what I see, I actually, unless something changes, I hope Reddit fails and goes away. I'll, I'll say that right now. I, I would be totally good with that, and I so, hope that it happens. So it's the same problem with Twitter. Mm-hmm. What's the viable replacement? Exactly. Until there's a viable replacement, the inertia yeah. they've built up with these platforms Agreed. keeps them going. Agreed. And like Twitter, I hope that fails too. But, you too. know, <laughs> and, and we've seen a bunch of uh, diminished uh posts over there so i hope reddit's the same way i would love it if there's better or other alternatives that start to come up because that that's kind of how reddit came to be anyways but sp go ahead a couple of things i am a moderator of r slash podcasting that subreddit is not going dark mostly because the lead moderator has decided not to but there is a post explaining how to support and it's pinned on the subreddit. And I do not use the extra third-party apps to moderate. However, I've tried to moderate using the official apps, and they suck. I have to do it on a web interface. Even if it's on the mobile device, I have to go to the web page in order to do things. It's atrocious. And if they had the capability in the official app, to moderate. I'm not sure if this would be a big deal or not. I sense it still would just because people love their apps that they use. And it's just, it it would still happen. Maybe not as big as it's happening right now, but it would still happen. Reddit is going public and they need to be profitable if they're going public. So they've chosen this demarcation line in the sand to say we want the advertisement money that would be going that's being stripped off by your apps through the api right now uh if they go through a third-party app i guess the ads don't play on r slash podcasting there are no ads except for ad posts and i just ignore them but i know on other video enabled or picture enabled Uh, subreddits, there are ads over there. So there is a little legitimacy of them trying to make, of Reddit itself trying to make money, especially for going public. I don't like how this has been handled. I certainly don't like their attitude of Reddit itself. And I think it's disingenuous. I think Chris has said that already. But I don't know if there's a replacement out there for it. There, I, I, I don't think there is. And it kind of worries me a little bit on the future of Reddit if they do go public and then they, they take it to the next step. And I will use Twitter examples here. So the Twitter blue badge system really went about, I, I wish I would know the exact date off the top of my head and I don't. But Twitter went to the blue badge system where everybody had to pay except for if Elon himself was paying uh, a, a month or so ago. And several of the people that I follow decided to go all in and they got blue badges. They paid whatever it is a month. Eight, what, what is it, Chris? Eight ninety nine a month or something like ten that? Bucks, did, t- t- ten bucks roughly. Ten bucks a month. They went in to do that. 
Included in that was their ability to monetize streams, basically, and to monetize content to, through subscribers and stuff like that. Well, the well, promise of that, they haven't quite delivered it, but for on a few folks. And then there right. were also some people that realized that, hmm, based off the numbers of Twitter Blue subscribers they have, if you upload 80 hours of footage a month, Twitter loses money off of you based on storage cost alone. <laughs> right. right. So, I mean, there's ways to have fun and, and game the system there and everything. but. I'm getting specifically to the subscribers. So people were getting their blue badges thinking, and, and I've seen a couple of them trying to monetize their channels. Well, guess what? It's a month later, and almost all of them, to a T, have decided it's not worth it, and their blue badges were gone because they couldn't make a go. They got mm. no money out of it whatsoever, yep. right? So <laughs> there's a limit to what people are willing to do and willing to pay. Just because you have a lot of visitors to your social media, I'll just say Reddit to social media, just because you have a lot of visitors there doesn't necessarily mean they want to pay. I mean, part of the charm of Reddit is you can go there for free and you can talk in a textual format and that's moderated through volunteers, but is moderated. And it's almost a safe space in, in most places. In some places it's not, it, you know, it depends on the subreddit, but it's all for free. And for for a user, they don't want to pay for it. So yeah. I don't know how Reddit is thinking they're going to monetize. Like Twitter, it's, if Twitter does successfully monetize, it's going to take years at this point. Partly because Elon burnt it to the ground before he turned over the reins. And partly because it's difficult to monetize to begin with. I see Reddit going in the same direction, which is unfortunate. But we'll see after they go public. But Reddit hasn't forgotten they have to serve ads to make money. That's the key difference here is a lot of what happened to Twitter was, I don't care about ads. Ads are a small part of things. And then it was, oh, crap, ads make up a lot of the money that Twitter is making here. Like Reddit's argument of we don't make any advertising money off of third party apps is 100 percent legitimate. There's just a better way to fix that problem than saying, well, we're yanking this current API and putting out a premium priced one to replace it. That's not the right answer. Yeah. yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing what happens with this. And maybe uh, with any luck, the next episode will be reporting on the death of Reddit. I mean, wait, did I say that? I mean, <laughs> we say that facetiously, but Ken brought it up in the chat about the dig to Reddit migration. And it's probably the years ago that's making it seem so quick to me. But it seemed like within a month of the dig 2.0 or 3.0 rollout, I can't remember what it was like. Dig was basically dead and everyone went to Reddit because people yeah. hated it so much. And that, that's probably a bit of an over-exaggeration, but it was less than a year after they rolled out that new version of Dig, it was dead. So these things can happen. But again, that was, what, 10, 12 years ago? The internet is very different now. Like I said, yeah. there's a lot of inertia to keep Reddit alive. So what you're saying is Dig dug its own grave. Ha-ha! <laughs> dig did, dig, dug, did, dig did dug indeed. Wow, that that was hard. Wow. <laughs> All right, Boeing <laughs> delays. What's going on? I've been following a lot of SpaceX and NASA with SLS and Orion and SpaceX Starship. And we've been talking about Dragon and Falcon 9 here. Uh, and that is crewed space travel. And you need a ship to get up there. Currently, the United States only has the Dragon crewed capsule to go up. Orion has flown on crewed. The next flight will be crewed. SpaceX is looking for developing a 
crude version of Starship. So that's cool. And I do believe Blue Origin is also looking at a crude capsule at some point. But right now they're just looking at the lander. We talked about that last time. Well, it's been a while since we talked about poor old Boeing. But Boeing also has a ship called Starliner. And as you recall, way back in the day, it was actually the forerunner. The it was the favorite. Boeing's going to save the space program for the United States. And with its Starliner capsule, we'll be up to space sooner than ever. Well, not so much. Boeing is standing down from the first ever crewed launch of its Starliner astronaut capsule for NASA, possibly indefinitely. Due to safety issues with the spacecraft's parachutes and wiring that were discovered last week. The Starliner astronaut launch, already years behind schedule, was most recently targeted to launch two NASA astronauts to the International Space Station on July 21st. Now, likely won't launch at all this summer and may not get off the ground this year in 2023. Two major safety issues are driving the test the latest delay. Both of them discovered last week during in-depth reviews of Starliner to certify the spacecraft for crude flight as reported by Space.com. First, Boeing engineers discovered that the soft links used on the suspension lines of Starliner's three main parachutes, let me reiterate that, three main parachutes have a failure load limit that is actually lower than previously thought. It turns out that those links, which secure the parachute lines with their anchor tethers on the capsule, cannot handle the load of Starliner if one of the chutes fails. Being able to land safely with two of the three chutes is a safety requirement for Boeing, and I wouldn't fly on one without that, okay? The second safety issue Boeing found pertains to the protective tape covering the wiring harnesses throughout the Starliner capsule. That tape, get this, guys, is flammable, and there are hundreds <laughs> of linear feet of it inside Starliner. Wait. So flammable is a bad thing? <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, you remember the uh, Apollo 1 capsule fire? Did, did you just remember that? You remember the Galaxy uh, I... Note? Oh, no. Okay, that's, that's a reference. <laughs> I can get a hold of. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, so basically a no notes policy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Pretty much. So they, it's indefinitely on hold. They, they have to fix the parachute issue and they have to fix this tape issue. And what really concerns me is they're not talking about dismantling the capsule and taking out the tape. Oh, no, 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 no. Boeing is talking about finding some sort of non-flammable wrap to go around the flammable tape. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, Starliner is still on contract for seven crewed flights up to the International Space Station. One is their OFT version, is their demo ride, and then six actual rides up. But I, I got to tell you guys, with the, the success of uh, something called uh, Dragon, Crewed Dragon, it'd be nice to have a second one as we talked about last week with the blue origin winning the second lunar lander. It'd be nice to have two, right. That could work, but it's, yeah, this is a firm fixed price contract, which means any additional cost or delay must by contract be eaten by Boeing. 
at some point, Boeing's got to say, is it worth it? Because nobody's going to Boeing saying, hey, we would like to take a commercial flight up into space. Nobody is. They're all going to Starship, either with Dragon or Starship itself, SpaceX, excuse me, either with Dragon or Space Starship itself. <laughs> I can't say that. So, yes, I think Boeing is in dire straits here and their ability to make the 737, 777, 747, whatever you want to go to the stars is in jeopardy, serious jeopardy. I wish I could say I was surprised. <laughs> it just seems like if we were to go back and catalog all of the different things we've talked about with Boeing on this podcast, we would we would have a good portion of that pie would be negative things. <laughs> I just wonder who's getting fired. Uh, I think all the people have already been fired. Okay. But 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 get this. There was not one but two attempts to launch this into orbit. Remember the first one that went up and it didn't quite meet orbit so they deorbited it was not a successful test flight so they did an additional on crewed test flight and this on crewed test flight with the flammable tape on board was mated to the international state space station for a few weeks this has already been a threat to the international space station if i was nasa i'd be like you did what <laughs> no kidding <laughs> like, uh, you're fined. Your contract is nullified, and don't come to us anymore. If if I was NASA, I'd be seriously considering my crude relationship with Boeing right now. Well, this is uh, it. Really gives pause the idea that what do you say hundreds or is it thousands of feet? Uh, hundreds of linear feet. Uh, hundreds yeah. of linear feet. How is that overlooked? That seems like something that should be really obvious. You'd think. Hey, can this thing burn? Oh, no. Let's put a lighter to it. Let's find out. I mean, before you put it in there, maybe, just maybe, just because you get it from China and says non-flammable doesn't necessarily mean it can't burn. Look, speed kills. When you're rushing to get things done, you don't think about all of the unintended side effects. Yeah. Rushing, rushing to get things done. You know, Stephen's absolutely right. He has been doubting Boeing every single time that we've talked about it. He, he really has. And I'm not going to say it's unjustified because it has. Remember, they had the the nozzle issue with the reaction control system rockets. They had the fact that the thing didn't make orbit. They've had their issues. And this is just another strength. This it's grounded indefinitely, indefinitely. Wow, that's that's some strong language. I mean, I okay, so that language also pertained to uh, the Branson company, and it also pertained to Blue Origin when they blew up their their rocket uh, last year, I think it was. But with both those cases, they're now back in flight, right? The Branson's company went up. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but when it went up again a few weeks ago. And Blue Origin is now cleared to return to flight because they went through the process and they're ready to go now. I trust both of those. I do not trust Boeing. Like, if I'm NASA, I'd be like, all right, well, we're going to come and we're going to inspect the shit out of this before yeah. we put one of our astronauts on board. Sounds like we're going back to some unmanned flights for a bit now. Maybe. Uh, in the chat, Kent does say, sounds like the wrong product was ordered, then applied. Or a salesperson sold them on this 
quote, great tape, end quote. I could see either of these things happening, especially where someone's just like, oh, I I'm ordering this product. Oh, but I could save myself 30 cents if I do this one. Well, I mean, it's there's a legit argument that there's a bean counter somewhere yeah. that may have been problematic here, which went, well, you guys wanted to spend this and it's going to cost X. This costs X minus 20%. Why don't we go with the second alternative? And it's, well, we haven't looked into it as much, but 20% and we're in a firm <laughs> fixed contract. So 20% is a big deal. Wouldn't surprise me. All right, so SP, here's your mission for the next podcast is to find out what tape they use so that I can wrap myself in it. Well, you can be a mummy and have the kids light a match around you. You know, it'll make for good, a good show, I think. I think you should play with bottle rockets when he does it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just have the kids light, you know, stick them in the tape and light them off. <laughs> All right, well, moving on to the next news point, uh, WWDC was this past week. Chris actually mentioned it earlier this week, and uh, earlier this episode, I should say. And there was a lot of things that were discussed on there, but uh, the big one more thing was the fact that Apple announced their VR thing. And it's more than VR, though. It's called the Apple Vision Pro, and it looks like very bulky ski goggles with a bunch of random electronics strapped onto it. And the idea is that it's VR and augmented reality and a whole bunch of things all together. And if you're interested in this, you'll be able to buy it for the low, low price of $34.99. Sorry, $3,499. Almost the same thing. It's okay. It's Canadian. <laughs> American, actually. So that's, mm -hmm. they actually announced the price that will be, which is interesting because they announced it way ahead of when the actual product is going to come out, but they said it will be $3,499 American. So lots of high price, and it's it's a price that some people will pay, I think, in all fairness. It's something that, you know, there are people who like to, they have a disposable income and they're willing to do it. There's a lot of people that won't do it, though, because of how price it is. Well, you are in luck if you're thinking that's too much. Because according to Bloomberg's Mark Gurman in the latest Power On newsletter, apparently Apple is, quote, already working on a cheaper model to get the new product category onto the faces of more people, end quote. I don't Are they know. Are working on the chapa chicken? <laughs> I if don't you, know. If you're not a, a Father of the Bride fan, you don't know what I'm talking I about. I didn't, but I gave you the sympathy laugh. So I... I uh, not entirely surprised they're making a cheaper model. I don't know the substance or the, how this is substantiated with this cheaper model, but I will say this. I have a history of successfully calling that there will be cheaper products released when a product has Pro at the end of it as the initial product. This happened with the Roadcaster Pro. I said that there would be a cheaper model and it took a few years, but we got there. And this is the Apple Vision Pro. So this just goes to show that once this is officially announced, I will be hopefully two for two. It's all about me, SP. <laughs> when is it not? I mean, it's your show. It's, we're just around here because you need somebody else to do it because exactly. you can't do a solo show. That's fair. Uh, but no, seriously, I hope that this actually comes out sooner than later because I think the $3,499 price tag is a lot for people, especially something like this. We've seen things in the past, other things that look a lot better 
fail for a lot lower price tag. And I think if Apple really does need to push the ball forward here, they, they need to be able to get more people using it. We saw that with the Apple Watch. The first Apple so, Watch, not so great. The, the They ended up making them a lot better after they got that first batch out. But in general, they pushed the whole industry of the of the watches, the wearable watches ahead. And so I don't see them having the same success if they can't get this to more people. So I don't think the play here is to get it into a large variety of hands with this generation of it. I mm. think what they effectively did is they announced, for lack of a better term, pay $3,500, get our dev kit, basically, for their augmented reality virtual reality. What they've done is get the really enthusiastic people that don't mind paying that Apple tax, similar to what we saw when Google Glass came out, what, 10 plus years ago, where it was high priced, but they got a lot of enthusiastic people that were excited about the product to shell out and to basically be beta testers for the product. I think that's sort of what we're seeing here. I think that's their play without saying it's their play because mm. most people look at that and go, $3,500, I don't have the money for that. But your enthusiasts, they do have the money for that and they'll play around with it. They'll tinker with it. They'll write up what the issues are. They'll talk about it on Reddit or Twitter or YouTube or any of these other things where Reddit can, not Reddit, where Apple can then go and get the feedback. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I don't get VR and augmented reality. It doesn't scratch that itch for me. Maybe it's because I'm old, but there are some people that are very, very excited about that. And these are the people that are going to be willing to pay 3,500 bucks for it because the Apple tax in their book is justified. Okay, so you said it doesn't scratch your itch, but if we get more senses involved and more touch, maybe, you know, I can scratch that itch for you with augmented reality, Chris. I mean, in theory, we saw that what they, we saw that, have you, oh, what's the name of that show that's on uh, Amazon Prime with Robbie and Mel in it? It's by oh. Greg Daniels who does The Office where like he get, dies, upload, where he dies and gets uploaded and his girlfriend is then still in the real world, basically wears a bodysuit so that when they interact in the virtual world, this bodysuit replicates him touching her in the real world. So, like, if he grabbed her shoulder, the bodysuit would then grab her shoulder. Weird stuff, man. Very weird. I, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, it's a good show. I see the problem in the design here. They're not, there definitely are not enough senses incorporated. What they need to do, instead of making the bridge over the nose, they need to go under the nose, maybe a full face mask, and that way they can throw the smells in there too. And <laughs> yeah, I know exactly the... what you want to do with that. And there's actually two things and I'm not going to say I want to smell on pizza. The podcast. Don't you want to I mean, smell pizza? It can be used to, you know, simulate toilet talk. <laughs> oh, three mm. things now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other thing I want to throw in here actually is just in general, I did stream the WWDC this year. It's been a few years since I've done that. And, um, I was disappointed in Apple. I have to say like, no, no and, and I'm saying this seriously because I have a history on the show of, of you know, poking fun at Apple. And, and I've said this in our discord. I've said this offline. I play that up on here and I'll, I'll confess that any day of the week. I've said it even on better podcasting. I, I play it up, makes for fun, fun talk. In the end, if I have a family member come to me and they say, what do I get? I look at it, look at all their needs and I've you know, half the time suggest Apple products because it's usually the right fit. So, you know, I'm not that guy that's there like, you know, I'm an Android guy. I, I don't like Apple guys. In fact, more often than not, it's the Apple people in my orbit ribbing me. And I'm just like, 
come on, just calm down. Um, but what I was disappointed about was they really seemed to be sliding into some weird marketing tactics and leaning heavily into increasing a bit of the experience divide. And and I'll start with the marketing tactics is they kept going on when they were talking about the new M2 um, uh, devices coming out, which I think it's M2 Pro and M2 Ultra or something like that, whatever it was. Yeah, Max. They kept referring back to this much, this many times faster than the the most powerful Intel-based Mac or something like that was was the gist of what it was. And I'm just like, that makes sense because the latest Intel-based Mac is old. It's many years old now, so you bloody well better be faster. And the thing is, the M2 on its own, it stands on its own without needing to have weird practices like that. They could have pitted against, you know, modern hardware. They could have picked on AMD. They could have picked on other things and had had a very good case for it. And so it was a little disappointing on that. And then a lot of the uh, iOS features seem to really be leaning into giving Apple to Apple users a different experience than when an Apple user is dealing with an Android uh, user. Like it seems like like an Android user calling an Apple user, I think is going to seem very basic, very dumb. And then, you know, an Apple to Apple is going to have all this like, you know, customizability and uh, of of what the other person sees. And so I think it's the blue bubble versus the green bubble it is. as we see it, it right it, now. Exactly. And they're bringing that blue bubble versus green bubble thing even further. And I get they're you know, they want to continue to create a unique experience for their users. That's, you know, what they've done. That's what they want to do. But it just feels like they're really leaning into things that they don't need to, like the marketing tactics and even this divide. They have so many Apple users sold on Apple products and the, and people have moved over. People, they, it started out as like Android versus Apple. A lot of people were on Windows machines if they had it. Well, Apple won so many people over that now you see so many just general people switch over to, to the Apple ecosystem. And are these people really going to, the average person, are they really going to get yanked out of that ecosystem? Probably not. So they're like really locked in. And all this trends, all the stats seem to say that they are continuing right now in 2023. They are continuing to chip away more at that market trend, which used to go the other way for a while. And it just seeing these things, I was really disappointed. And I, I, I felt a little bit, gross about it so the problem was you're watching a, tra a tech trade show in 2023 i guess that we're past those days where they're like oh my god this is gonna be so cool everything leaks ahead of time you don't get that one more thing that steve jobs was notorious for because it all leaks and then it all just turns into branding speak and like you mentioned those useless comparisons where they start talking about x number x times faster than the intel processor who cares just show me the results show me the spec sheet on its own show me how it works it's just the nature of tech shows and trade shows nowadays is that they're not really geared towards us, the traditional consumer. And honestly, when I want to go learn more about these devices, I'm not watching the WWC stream. I'm not watching the Google IO stream. I'm pulling up YouTube and I'm going to LTT or MKBHD or Joshua Vergara's YouTube channel or, or Mr. Mobile because they all have better coverage that is then better translated to things that are going to interest me as the consumer. And they have a way of understanding the 
the tech speak that is just done for marketing and translating mm. that to what it means in the real world. They're more experienced. They're more well-versed with it. And I mean, honestly, let's be honest, these tech trade shows and stuff like that know how this works. That's why all those folks are invited to them. It's the symbiotic relationship. Well, and I, I want to make very clear, like, I think a lot of the things they've announced, a, a lot of the products they have, like, you know, I, I, I'm not disliking the products. I have to say that. Like, I, am I disliking the way that they're increasing the divide? Yes, I am. But am I, am I disliking an, an iPhone? No, I'm not. Am I disliking an Apple Watch? No, I, I talk all the time how it moved the industry, right? Like, I, I, I want to make that very clear. But I want to frame it this way before we go to the next news point is I, as I mentioned last time, I switched phones. When I switched phones, I considered everything, including an, an iPhone, if only just to deal with the people in my life that won't go outside of an SMS message. And I legitimately did. And, you know, I've had some reflection after about that. And I, you know, I, I have some negative thoughts on that aspect of it. But putting that aside, I... I legitimately almost went to an iPhone for one of the things that they have. So I want to make it clear that I was willing to go there. But after what I saw at WWDC, I actually had a moment where I was driving and I thought to myself, you know what, based off what I I, I saw, I'm glad I didn't end up going that way because I, I didn't really want my I, I didn't really want to support that. You know, that was sort of my frame of mind in that moment. Now, there's a thousand other things we could pick apart and everybody probably is already writing messages about, you know, Google and everything else. But but I, I was just saying that was sort of from two weeks prior or three weeks prior, like really almost buying an iPhone to that. It, it was just a bit of a, I don't know, an awakening for me. All right, well, let's move on to the next news point here, which I think you are going to tell us all about Spider-Man. Which, by the way, we should take a moment to pause here and reflect on the fact I did not know that you liked Spider-Man, Chris. No, I mean, there's not one hanging off my microphone, Amazing Fantasy 15 over my shoulder right here, or a Spider-Man standing here in my office. No, SP, I didn't know this. Did you know this? I had no idea. No. I thought he was more of a Hulk guy. I know. We learn something new every day, Chris. <laughs> so my news story is actually pretty short because I knew I'd go long on my first story. But uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is out right now. I finally got to see it this weekend. It's a really fantastic movie. The animation is incredible and it. The story is well told. And I can't wait to see part two, which is Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse. Why do I bring all this up? Well, this movie is set to release on March 29th, 2024. I don't think it's happening, fellas. For those that are unaware, uh, Haley Steinfeld, who plays Spider-Gwen, Gwen Stacy in the movie, was interviewed by The Hollywood Reporter and was asked if she'd already started recording for the next movie. Her quote was, uh, no, as you can imagine, this has been an ongoing thing since the moment the first one came out. There's been so much focus and everyone's blood, sweat and tears has been into making this one the most incredible and best version of itself that it can be. So we're slated to come out nine months from now. One of the lead characters hasn't recorded any audio for it yet, so I assume others are in the same boat. And oh, oh yeah, for Across the Spider-Verse, the one that just came out, she spent four years recording dialogue for it. I oh. don't think we're getting this in nine months. I, I am happy to wait for it to come out because it was the first two movies have been really good. Don't rush something and make it bad, but I just don't think we're making it in nine months. Well, there's lots of things that are made in nine months. You got an announcement, Stephen? No. 
No. <laughs> hell, hell, hell no. Maybe, <laughs> maybe she's killed off within the first two minutes of the movie and they don't need her recording for four years. Well, you don't know. That would make a certain segment of the internet very happy, but that's not the segment of the internet you want to make happy. And a certain <laughs> segment of the internet very, very unhappy. Yes, yes. I, I understand the dichotomy between the two. Technically in the movie, by the way, Chris, I, I realize in the comics she's evolved, but technically in the movie... Right now, she's, she's Spider, Spider Woman. Woman from her universe, yeah. And then in the comics, she's Ghost Spider, I think is what the name is. Yeah, she's evolved yeah. into that now, yeah. yeah. But commonly known to fans as Spider-Gwen. Mm, that's true. I don't put too much stock into this. I also don't put in too much stock of any movie coming out anytime soon within the year, year and a half or two years because of the writer's strike and some other strikes that could possibly hamper including a sag strike which would be her yes so i don't know if this march 29th date is good at all and you don't know maybe some of the stuff that she's been recording for four years actually is for the second movie and not for the first movie that's true that very well could be it's just it's a very ambitious date based off of from her account not having done any i'm sure it can happen but like you said with various other strikes going on things like that it wouldn't surprise me if it slid right. And I'm okay with that. This this part two slid right as it was anyways. And it was totally worth it. This is one of the best Spider-Man movies I've seen. I enjoyed it. I enjoy the various animation styles. And it's just very good. So you mentioned she previously recorded for four years for Across the Spider-Verse. Um, is this the sequel effect where there's not as much effort put into it and maybe I, I, maybe it'll be more I, like hey yeah. here's your lines go ahead i don't think that's the case yeah. based off of seeing part 1 and part 2 is they took okay. everything that worked in part 1 and they dialed it up like a thousand well technically <laughs> okay. part 1 was not part 1 it was just the the yeah, first it was a movie standalone. and then the second and third were supposed to be part 1 and part 2 but then they gave the second one a di- an a, an other title so that it there's no parts anymore but that was the part one and part two was movie two and three. And I just laying it out there, Chris, I understand where you're coming from. Might even agree with a lot of the points, but I also disagree with several of the points. And you can find out all of that on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Boom. Oh, there's that uh, award winning plugger. That was way back in the Gunna Geek Award days. I think you won an award for that. <laughs> I did. I'm an award winning plugger. <laughs> podcast uh, a words gave me a word <laughs> oh anyways let's go to the next <laughs> news point which is all about artemis delay which on the the bar has a three in instead of an e in delay why would that oh, be that, yeah that's neat yeah it <laughs> actually has nothing to do with nasa this time it's spacex yeah we all talked about it starship launched it blew up Elon's trying to fix the launch platform and everything else that went wrong with it right now. His opportunistic statement of one or two months. It's not been two months. I said last time we'll talk about month two when we get there. He still has eight days to get to the two month spot. So you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. (laughs) Just a little one. We'll talk more about it next time, I guess. But NASA is not so optimistic. Not so much with Starship itself, but with the lunar lander. 
NASA is worried that SpaceX's giant new Starship vehicle won't be ready to carry astronauts to the surface of the moon in late 2025, as previously planned. And this is via a Space.com article. In 2021, the agency selected Starship, the biggest and most powerful rocket ever built, to be the first crewed lunar lander for its Artemis program of moon exploration. Starship will put astronauts down near the ice-rich lunar South Pole on Artemis 3's mission in humanity's first return to the moon since the Apollo program ended in 1972. Artemis 3 is currently targeted to lift off in December 2025, but it's unlikely Starship will be able to meet that timeline. This is via NASA officials. And we all know about the fully stacked Starship. It launched in April, flew for four minutes before it exploded. That flight aimed to send Starship's upper stage most of the way around Earth, wrapping up with an ocean splashdown near Hawaii. But the vehicle's two stages failed to separate as planned, and SpaceX ordered Starship's destruction over the Gulf of Mexico less than four minutes after liftoff. It didn't blow up until after four minutes after liftoff, but uh, that's another (laughs) thing. It's unclear when Starship will fly again. Several boxes must be checked first. For example, the Federal Aviation Administration is still investigating the launch mishap. Okay. With SpaceX's help. Okay. And a coalition of environmental groups is suing the FAA, claiming the agency didn't properly address and assess the damage Starship launches could inflict on the surrounding ecosystem. Hmm, that might take a little bit longer, guys. A relatively quick return to flight would be necessary for Artemis 3 to have any chance of meeting the 2025 target for... SpaceX must conduct a number of Starship launches before the vehicle starts carrying Artemis astronauts. Each Starship that heads to the moon, for instance, we talked about this before, but just as a little reminder, must be fueled in a depot in Earth orbit by several other Starship tanker vehicles. And SpaceX will send an uncrewed Starship to the lunar surface and back again ahead of Artemis 3 to demonstrate the craft's safety and readiness for crewed flight. The December 2025 date is already a slip from the original target. It In uh, March of 2019, the Trump administration instructed NASA to put astronauts on the moon by the end of 2024. I, probably in an effort to get it done before his second term ran out, which he never actually achieved. Okay, going on. This timeline was widely viewed as over-aggressive as a November 2021 report by the NASA Office of Inspector General noted. Yes, noted. Yeah, this was an aggressive timeline. I know Elon is pushing, but we're talking Elon time here where you have to multiply by a factor of four any estimates that he has. So in reality, the one or two months is really four or eight months. I think it's more like eight to 12 months before the next flight of Starship. He does have the rocket ready to go. He needs to get the launch stand ready to go. And that includes putting what is now termed as an ice cream sandwich. I I don't think I've talked to you guys about this before. It's an ice cream sandwich, which is a couple of layers of steel and you deluge that by water in there to cool the plates down. So the thrust won't superheat the concrete underneath it and then make it explode, which, you know, bad things happen. Like, I don't know, knocking rocket engines off and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it. There's a lot that has to be done here. So NASA is officially saying, "Yeah, we doubt it's going to happen." That said, Elon can make miracles happen sometimes. So we'll just see what happens. I'm not just 
for the record, I'm not an Elon fan. I'm a fan of the big rocket, right? So that that's my fandom right there. And I hope this thing gets fixed and is able to launch because it is our gateway right now. No matter what you say about SLS, and I, I have more news on SLS, but we just had to make a cutoff for this. There is more of a chance for Starship to actually be used for colonizing and, and creating uh, outposts on the moon and Mars. It, it's Starship right now, guys. It's the only thing. And I don't know how Steven did this, but he grabbed an ice cream sandwich and he's actually eating it on the screen this right is now. This a it's, cardinal sin eating while podcasting, but I'm going to allow it. It's amazing. I, I, Steven, I don't know if you have a refrigerator there at your desk or you ran up to the kitchen to get it or what, but that's actually pretty cool. I have to run to the garage, but uh, I, I did have a question for you. Do you think that they could fix the pad with some of the tape that Boeing has on excess? <laughs> I mean, if you're using it as sacrificial tape to burn off before, you know, bladively before it gets to the actual It will stuff, redirect sure. the flames. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually no flame diverter here. It's just a steel plate. So the flames will come down and, and there's no diversion of it. They were originally going to put a diverter in there, but I'm just guessing they couldn't find a way to cool it. So they're going with the ice cream sandwich approach. I've seen a lot of mock-ups of how people project that it's going to look. And just by looking at the the parts are there at Boca Chica. There you go. Take a drink. Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica. The parts are there. They were transferred from Florida to the site before the liftoff on 420. It just, it wasn't installed. And I think Elon was like, hey, we can install it right after this flight. Yeah, you got it. I'm looking at a picture of the launch site right now. There is a heck of a lot of rebar that's just <laughs> out around the fire ring right now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're really, really going to beef this thing up. That's a heck of a lot of rebar. There's a lot of concrete that's going to go into this thing. Well, thanks for updating us on that. And when I edit this podcast, I look forward to actually hearing what the ice cream sandwich is about. I was too busy running to grab one. Uh... <laughs> well, it's well, exactly that. They're making a big ice cream sandwich and basically going to have like a toasted s'more kind of ice cream treat with a little rocket fuel flavor. Uh, uh, last thing that I <laughs> wanted to just mention, and by the way, I uh, totally have it, have uh, a lactose issue, so this isn't going to go very well, but it's worth the joke. Uh, the... That's commitment to the bit right there. <laughs> oh my gosh, in I about one that, like, hour, Steven's going to be doing so... some toilet talk. <laughs> toilet talk. When Steven's on the toilet three hours from now, will it, it be worth it then? Let us know. Gunnageek.com slash discord at the toilet talk channel. <laughs> Uh, last thing that we're going to talk about, I wanted to throw this in here because it's actually got a backstory between Chris and I, uh, Google photos apparently is working to, um, create a, a new feature, which is an old feature, but is now available to other people. What it is, is Google photos has this cinematic photos feature. And the way it works is if you have a photo that's in there, sometimes there are photos that are selected by Google to be made into a cinematic photo. And how it works is it does a little bit of a special effect on the background. It basically removes the subject in the background and then it kind of layers them in together. So it, essentially a little bit of a movie, but the background kind of moves and it does a little bit of perspective shift. So it almost looks like the, the photo is almost like panning a little bit. It's It's hard to describe, but it's essentially just, you know, making an optical illusion out of the photo that you've taken. 
And up until now, this feature that was available was basically just generated by Google with certain photos and you had no idea how. And if it came up and you didn't save that photo, then it was gone. And how do I know this? Because a couple months ago, I got talking with Chris Farrell about this because I had it all of a sudden show up on one of my photos. It was a photo of my son. And all of a sudden this came up and said, you had a new cinematic photo. And I was like, what? I've never seen this before. And then I suddenly saw a couple other ones start to show up. And when I didn't save them, then they were gone. Well, apparently this is something that was announced or discussed, I should say, on the unofficial Google Photos Telegram group. And some users are now seeing the ability to create this on demand. And I bring this up for two reasons. Number one, because I think it is a cool little thing and can kind of be fun to be, depending on the photo that you take. Number two, this is so typical Google. Create a feature. Don't roll it out well. Eventually, roll it out to more people. Again, not well. So there you go. I just wanted to dog on Google a bit too because this is something that they should have just done from the beginning. Create a feature. Let people use it. Let them make it. And instead, they just held on to it and hid it from most people. That's fair. I mean, I have not gotten the cinematic photo, but I do get the one that's like those short video clips. Like if you take a photo, it'll give you like a second or two on either side of it. So you get like a really short animated GIF out of it if you want it. So that's all I got to offer on that one. SP, I look forward to you getting your first Google photo um, feature come up on your new Pixel device. <laughs> That's right. I, I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast last month or not, but uh, my daughter went on a cruise. She managed to lose her phone on the cruise. Uh, supposedly there was not alcohol involved. I wasn't there, so I can't um, can't prove it. So we'll just let that one lie. But we had to use the insurance on the phone to get a new phone. We use the Assurian insurance. We don't use Apple Care specifically for this instance. Actually, it wasn't for this instance. It was for when I go to the lake, if I'm in the boat and go, woo, the phone goes in the lake, then I can use the insurance to get my phone back. So <laughs> it was really for me, not her. But uh, we had to do that. Uh, she recovered everything except for the photos that were taken on her cruise that she was on. And uh, we, there's still hope that the phone is somewhere on the ship and eventually will be turned in after a deep cleaning or something like that. There's also the possibility that it was stolen and it's gone forever. So whatever. But uh, she did get the new phone and it is working fine for her. I have not asked her if she has anything to do with cinematic photo or not. But she's one of, you know, the TikTokers or the Instagrammers that uh, take beautiful photos so, yeah, we'll see how that works out for her there. But, uh, yeah, that was a big phone saga. Well, we look forward to hearing about the next phone saga because it seems like there's always one between the three of us. Some form of phone saga is going to come up. Before we, before we go, I wanted to point out that Chris and I realized that uh, last time I broke up with him because we're no longer Pixel yeah. Buddies. Nope. But... By the way, the song was Pixel 2. It wasn't the Pixel 6 or okay. whatever. Okay, we had have. we had a whole discussion on this in the T -O -O. past. T-O-O. We decided that it was meant as T-O-O because otherwise, you know, it was tied to the number two. I said that it was number two. Chris Farrell said otherwise. And uh, I think that to spite me, you agreed with Chris, SP, because that's typically what happens. <laughs> okay. And rightfully so. I might have. <laughs> no. Um, but... 
we realize there is still a chance to be pixel buddies because you know i accidentally washed my pixel buds a while ago my pixel buds a so i need to get a new pair of earbuds because the only real ones i've got right now are the echo buds i'm not wild about them if i'm being honest so if i get more pixel buds then we're still pixel buddies so there's still hope there's pixel still hope. a new hope <laughs> there is a new hope <laughs> But that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of episode 402. Before we go, SP, you had something you wanted to say, right? I did. It's just a quick hit from last time. We talked about Disney Plus and everything leaving their library. Well, guess what? If you are a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, your first show has now left the Disney Plus streaming service. Runaways is no longer available on Hulu or Disney Plus. Never saw it. Well, maybe that's because you ran away from it. (laughs) I see what you did. I thought you were going to tell me it was Inhumans. I'm th- so glad that's still there. <laughs> so so yeah. it does bring up the broader questions of Agent Carter, Inhumans, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because they're not necessarily canon. Mm. And Quake, Quake, uh, Chloe Bennett has never been contacted by Marvel for reprising her role. <gasps> that seems to be the linchpin for the fandom. Oh, well, apparently I can still buy Runaways on Apple TV, Google Play, or the Microsoft Store. So it's okay. You can buy Westworld on, on numerous sites too, but you can't watch it on Max. Well, what's Max? Uh, formerly it's... HBO Max. Oh, I gotcha. I forgot. They renamed. Renamed it again. Yes, I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> Uh, if you're not checking out this show, check out all the other awesome shows on the Gunna Geek Network, including All Things Good Nerdy, which has Chris Farrell, as well as Legends of Sealed, which has SP. And you can also find me on the Toilet Talk podcast coming soon. Not actually happening. Ooh. No. No, happening. it's got to happen now. Don't tease <laughs> me with a good time. You got the podcast hosting. You can throw it up there. <laughs> For episode number 402. Of the official Gunny Geek Show. I'm Stephen John Drew saying, I can already feel this making me ill. I'm SP saying, we'll see everybody next month. Hopefully, Elon will be right. <laughs> I'm Chris Farrell, and I literally just subscribed to Toilet Talk with Stephen John Drew. Oh. All right. I'll be on the Toilet Talk soon. Bye. <laughs> checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show if you're itching for more geeky content check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind Podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next show.